This is Star Road Podcast, episode 12. How you doing today, my brother, Tyler? Sterling, I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? I don't know if I could be better, bro. Uh, we've got about the hypest month of game releases we could have asked for, especially this early in the year. Insane month, dude. Uh, most of the time, you know, uh, I might get a game every two months on scale. Uh, we're talking three in one month. Yeah, three big hitters that we've discussed at length on this podcast. Yeah, uh, one of which you're about to have, and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to playing a lot, dude. But we've got a very grim episode today, but... Yeah, I would say so, a little bit on the darker side. Yeah, but I gotta say, uh, maybe it's twisted, man, but it's exciting to me. Same here. But yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with uh talk about your your new favorite game, basically, right? Yes, we're gonna we're gonna start off the, the news segment with that. But uh the pro the program we got today is gonna be uh discussing horror games. Mm-hmm. And my boy Tyler really came through with the topics because uh, I dove on your suggestions for this. Yeah, I don't know why. That was just the the two that you latched onto, and it happened to all kind of come together in a spooky zone, which yeah, is pretty good. Absolutely, bro. We're we're gonna be doing just a you know just a straight up discussion on horror games, uh, particularly with the Little Nightmares two vibe. It couldn't be more relevant. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I know you have a lot to say, and I'm sure you've played some horror games. I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, vice versa. I think we'll have a pretty a pretty wide scale on that one, but I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And uh just to just to really keep the mood low, uh today's <laughs> top five, also provided by Tyler, is gonna be top five characters with tragic backstories. Yeah, I am very excited for this one. I am too, bro. This is one of the quickest that fell together but it's so all over the place that it's crazy to think that it came together so quickly i know i know it's not something it's really specific but i think that's what's going to make it a fun conversation yeah i feel like as always dude we got on the phone and just i heard what your opinion of the concept was and it just immediately started firing off in my head you know (laughs) just games left and right Absolutely. I I put together I put together the list pretty quick. Yeah, I had three in about five minutes and it didn't take long to polish off the rest, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing this one. Uh but the news we got a couple things. Um Little Nightmares 2 is now out, as well as uh Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Pretty uh, massive. Two days within one day of each other. Yep. Insanely massive, dude. And uh, Little Nightmares 2, I've got to say, I'm about halfway through the game. I'll be finishing it tonight. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to know what to say, bro. I mean, like, I'm always going to hold the first one in the highest regard, but I feel like they're taking everything to the next level with the second one, dude. As expected. And... I'm not getting into theory, dude, but like, you know, a lot of people 
say that they'd be mad if it was a prequel. I really am hoping that like when this is all said and done, which tonight I'm finding out, dude, <laughs> I, I, I hope when it's all said and done that the second game just ends with the first being like picked up right there. Be pretty interesting. I really feel like to me that would be the hypest scenario, but I'm really looking forward to getting to that because it's crazy to think I wanted this game to happen. And then they announced it like a year ago, bro. So I've literally been waiting for this game for a year. That's pretty awesome. I didn't get to dive into 3D World Plus as much as I wanted to because obviously Little Nightmares 2. Yeah, I, but, uh, I'm i really excited to play 3D World Plus. I have it on the way. I had uh, it get pre-ordered for me for my birthday uh, alongside Bravely Default 2. So I'll be getting both of those in the mail a day or two after release, which right now we're in that period of it's come out, but I don't have it yet, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I'm so excited to play it with you, man. Yeah, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Definitely, especially because I haven't played the game yet. And um, I got a sick Bowser's Fury print with the GameStop pre-order. Yeah, I don't have... And, did you uh, actually show me what it looks like? I think you did. You sent me a picture of it, right? Yeah, I sent you a screenshot. I didn't get to send you a picture of it in all its glory, but... uh. Yeah, that's definitely worthy of being framed. We were already talking about that image, like yeah. the significance of that image, you know. Totally. But I'm looking forward to that too because uh, when I fired it up, yep, you you either pick between 3D World and uh, Bowser's Fury, like you have to switch over to it mm -hmm. before you even start, you know. Classic Mario game, like re-release stuff. That's awesome. Yep, and any Mario release is a hype release, bro. I think that goes without saying. Definitely. Uh, but just a quick, quick note. We mentioned before that, uh, they came out with the 1.5 Stardew Valley update. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's on consoles now. They couldn't have timed this worse for me. <laughs> because it's all stacking I, up on top of each other. I shit you not, Tyler. I shit you not. I popped in little nightmares and started to download the, you know, the little update that mm -hmm. every game has when you yeah. fire it up for the first time. And then the switch decides to queue an update for Stardew. And I said, you <laughs> know what, dude is it, I, this better not be what I think it is. And it was because I, I, you know, we only get to talk every two weeks, but my time for whatever reason between the last podcast and now has been a lot of Stardew Valley. I picked it up one day mm. and I've, played it daily for most of the two weeks i mean I, i've been back on it pretty hard dude I see. i've been playing for hours at a time or anything but i definitely you know an hour and a half two hours here and there man uh the game kind of rekindled with me it's going to get neglected for a bit again sorry yeah it'll always uh, be there though that's the best part all, yep absolutely bro um the biggest thing in our news segment I think unquestionably, bro, <laughs> not only the fact that you had a birthday, yep, but a previously mentioned care package was received by you from me. Yeah, pretty hype, honestly, like some definite unexpected stuff in there. Yes, and uh, I haven't gotten to talk to you much specifically about it, so I'm kind of excited to to kind of hear your thoughts on the entries, you know? 
Yeah, well, real quick, we can go down the list. Uh, the the whole progenitor for the package itself is a failed trade of games from our childhood. Uh, I, I remember, I think this was after I had already moved away, but I was there visiting. And I we traded or agreed to trade Yoshi Story for Mario Tennis, both for the Nintendo 64. But I left it and just forgot to get the Mario Tennis. So here we are years later. I forgot about it for a long, long time. And then I remembered about it, and you said there's no absolute way. And I said I didn't even want Mario Tennis. Just send me Yoshi Story. And so, of course, you had to take it to the next level with a few interesting, exciting inclusions and one or two meme items as well, which is even even better. Yeah, and and before you get into the meat of it, it, it the the trade it's so funny, dude, because even though looking back, Mario Tennis is never a game I would have traded. It really shows our true Nintendo boy nature <laughs> that the trade itself was between Yoshi's Story and Mario Tennis. I, mean, I know. That sounds like the type of shit you and I would put up on a chopping block as far as what we have in our catalog, what we're into, what we're looking to get from the other person. I think it's so relevant, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah. <laughs> so the the biggest other ticket items in the in the package were equal footing for me, the movie promo Electabuzz Pokemon trading card. Now, I'm well documented that Electabuzz and that evolution line is my favorite Pokemon. Um, very well documented. Very on well that, documented yes. and. I'm, I have no shame on the matter, but dude, I, that was the last thing I ever would have expected to see. And I, it was so funny because I opened up the package and I took everything out and I was like showing, showing my uh, fiance and, uh, yeah, like she, we were going through everything and then I, I got to the Pokemon card because I kind of opened it from the bottom first. And um, oh, yeah, because I didn't want to rip the label up. I could just cut through the tape at the bottom. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, that was one of the last things that I pulled out and I just was staring at it like for a good like minute, like just in a little <laughs> bit of disbelief because it's such a cool include like. It's a small but meaningful thing, and I know that's pretty much what you were going for, but you you hit it right on the mark. And then the other big ticket item was my child my childhood copy of Pokemon Gold, which has uh, been mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, that was something that I gave to you as a birthday present after I had Crystal, and uh, that has now worked its way back to me as well, which is really really insane. And that's probably what I was most excited about, honestly, dude, is the gold. I I, I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I've always taken a lot of pride in my little Game Boy collection and, mm-hmm. you know, seeing all the Pokemon games laid out. But every time I see the gold, it's just in the back of my mind. It, it, I feel like it's it's gravitating towards you because, it, you know, like I mentioned before, dude, it's like I'm a silver boy. You're a gold boy. Yep. And we're and, both and crystal boys. Your, 
Absolutely. And um, so, I mean, that's just, that had to happen. But the Electabuzz dude, uh, I was like, I'm going to send Tyler a card. I, just, I had it in my mind I was going to send you at least one card. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a big sacrifice and I'm going to like my most coveted set of cards probably, which they're not, you know, they're not super valuable or rare, but the black star promos, Mm -hmm. like the promos from when we were kids, these were the hypest cards. I feel like if you had a promo, like our understanding was like, holy shit, you have the black star promo of this. So there was only base set and bikes. There was like, you know, base set jungle, et cetera, et cetera. And and the only cards that weren't in boosters were the Black Star promos. Yeah, yeah, and they had the rocket shit and everything. But these cards were so exclusive, you couldn't yep. just pull them from a pack. So they were like, you know, they had a lot of uh, rarity in our mind to them. Definitely. But when I dude, it it uh, I, what is it? Electabuzz is like number two in the Black Star line. It, I so obviously, yeah. I, I I didn't. It didn't take long sifting through them to get to it and see this is the card I'm sending. <laughs> the the fucking silver engraved Pokemon movie promo. I mean, it's only uh, I was like, Tyler is going to love this. I do. I'm really excited about it. Um, the other items quickly. Uh, we had Rampage for the Game Boy. We had Madden 2004 for the Game Boy Advance, which I told you I was going to try and play for the for the meme before <laughs> the podcast, but I did not get around to it, unfortunately. Um, and then I don't have it within arm's reach, but there was one other thing that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, Mortal Kombat Mortal- on the Game Boy. Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 3. 3. Yep. Right? Yep. Mortal Kombat 3. Yep. The, Which, the shittiest version of that game, probably. But that is one of my childhood games, so it's actually another another big include. Not the Game Boy version, but on PS1, Mortal Kombat 3 was like a staple in my household. Yeah. And uh, the, the Madden was a complete troll. I mean, that was, you know, that was for the lulls. But uh, I actually want to pop it in and see some of the players that are on there and just see how bad <laughs> the like mechanics of the game are or how good. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's actually yeah, good. Yeah, yeah but that, that was a complete meme pick. And then uh, I'm looking through my Game Boy collection, you know, that. And, and um, I was like, oh, you know something? You always talk about trading card game. I was like, I bet it'd be cool for him to have another black cartridge in his DMG set, you know? Yeah, but I uh, actually love, like, Rampage, like, the early versions of that franchise. So it's actually it, it, another sweet one that I'm actually interested in playing. Yep, and uh, as always, uh, it's not the best version of the game. Of course. But- I, I mentioned to you, dude, Rampage World Tour could have definitely come up on the arcade top five. Yep. So luckily I have the SP on deck still, so I'll be able to pop all these in and check them out. Yeah, but I, I thought it might get you hyped to own a couple of, you know, a few more original Game Boy cartridges. I mean, yeah. I, that's just, a, you know, the only, a, the only ones thing. that I own are Pokemon games. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I don't own any other original Game Boy games besides uh, Red and Yellow, I think. Well, I've expanded your catalog, bro. Uh, maybe not doing you any favors with the MK3, but I think <laughs> you can at least chuckle. Yeah, well, I'm going to play it, and I'll, I'll let you know how it is. I know how it is, and it's not good, <laughs> but it's okay. I hope you enjoy it. 
Well, I'll still I'll still get a kick out of playing it, and like I said, I'm really looking forward to firing up Madden as well. That's gonna be fun. I've played a lot Absolutely. of Madden over the years. It's waned in recent years, but I used to be a Madden fiend from like 2007 all the way through like 2018. I played Madden pretty much almost every year. So I don't I don't imagine you've played too much Madden on GBA though. No, never, not one time. <laughs> So oh, yeah, man. man, the whole package was pretty hype and I'm already starting to set things aside in a little pile and, uh, uh yeah, we'll see, we'll see if something might work its way back to, to you. Yeah. I, I've thought of a second package for no particular reason. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I feel like this type of correspondence is, is pretty legit. I think it's healthy. So, I think it's very healthy. Uh, and there's nothing that can come from it but good, especially with the returning of childhood artifacts type shit. Absolutely. Uh, that's some serious shit because you know not everybody can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because they don't go back that far, you know. It's pretty exciting stuff. Absolutely. But, but before we exit the new shit, I just wanted to mention briefly. Um, uh, on Pokemon Sword and Shield, they have a max rate event with Milsery right now. Yeah, if you missed out on like the ribbon suite or the star suite for the alchemy evolutions, you can obtain them. Uh, I think until, through Valentine's Day. Mm. So that's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I've seen a lot of frantic searching from people, Reddit posts. You know, like where can I get it? I need it. I missed the event because there was a big event where you got them. You know, mm -hmm. so that that's available to get. Um, and I'm actually going to be trying to squeeze in some time to do that because I breeded my girl a shiny milsery and uh, she wants the ribbon sweet on it. Yeah. So we got to get that blacked out purple ribbon alchemy. It's got to happen. It's got to be done. Yep. But pretty hype news segment. Not as much news as it was life news or just a celebration. Absolutely. But today's discussion, we're talking about horror games, Tyler, and we've got quite the history with horror games. Yeah. I mean, we haven't... Have we done a discussion topic about a specific game genre or a general game genre, I should say? I don't think we have. We've talked about it before. That's the thing about it. We have yeah, definitely... but we've never had a full dedicated topic. No, no. But we have mentioned before how interesting the concept of that would be. Yeah. I think in some ways it's kind of the perfect genre to have our first specific discussion about. Oh, I totally agree. And the timing couldn't be better because of the little nightmares two vibes. Mm -hmm. So which, which yeah. really, I feel like that's a big part of why I looked at your suggestions in the note and was, <laughs> was like, you know what? These are, these are hitting me, dude. I think these are the ones yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just going to start us off with the most obvious elephant in the room and just say Resident Evil. Absolutely, bro. I mean, there couldn't be a more obvious pick. Yeah, I and we both have a little bit of history with these games. My background with Resident Evil is when the first one came out on PS1, I played it briefly I had a hard time with it because I was like six or seven 
and it was too scary for me and I did not play it again after that. Fast forward to me as a like middle schooler and watching X play, I see them talking about Resident Evil 4 and it looks like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So that was my actual real entry point into the franchise. Which is wild, man, because like Resident Evil is something I was exposed to pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I feel like it might have came with the same time I told you that I had borrowed like the Final Fantasy collection from a friend of mm-hmm. my dad's. Yeah. And I think I also had borrowed like Resident Evil for PS1. Nice. Uh, so and then with the GameCube, I feel like that was where I really did a lot of Resident Evil gaming with mm-hmm. the of course. remake of the original Zero, uh, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, mm-hmm. and of course RE4, dude. I mean, like, uh, do I feel like you had Code Veronica at one point too, or no? I don't recall ever having Code Veronica. Yeah. But yeah, dude, that's a that's a legacy for sure. I still have not really played through uh, two or three like all the way. I've played a I, lot of the first one, but yeah. I've never really gotten into two or three. I kind of want to grab the remakes and just play those. Yeah, two is one I didn't actually finish. Uh, that was one I only got some hands on with, and a lot of people hold two in very high regard. Mm-hmm. Three, I finished and can speak for it. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, as far as the whole, like, you know, the, the tank control Resident Evil games, mm-hmm. it's up there. I mean, that's a very, very good horror game in general. Yeah. But I feel like Resident Evil is so proper to come up first because when we think of horror, that, that was like the relevance of our time when it came to video video games and horror. I mean, of course we could talk about silent Hill as well, but resident evil and silent Hill are kind of like the nineties iconic horror games. Poster child for that franchise. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And silent Hill, I had a similar backstory with where my parents actually rented it for PS one and I was terrified by it. Just the sound of the radio and the music and the cutscenes and everything. Like, it was just super spooky to me. And I, I never wanted to play it. And uh, then as an adult, I played like the Silent Hill collection on PS3 or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, these games are absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, man. Uh, I didn't get to own a single Silent Hill game at any point, but I feel like mm. I had them for periods of time yeah. and played them quite a bit. So, uh, but I think I have enough, you know, experience with it to know that it is definitely at the forefront of horror games becoming immersive to an extent. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, creating atmosphere you know what I mean like and you've mentioned before a lot of it has to do with like kind of like the restrictive controls definitely I think the control really scheme big... is one of your enemies in that game <laughs> absolutely dude <laughs> <sighs> that's what makes it so scary is it's like hard to it's hard to combat what's around you yeah uh and, and and also, 
I think there's a mystery. Uh, we've talked before about like the polygon style uh, mm. with the old 3D games, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. the early 3D games. And I feel like there's something magical with horror games when you can't fully make things out like to where like you have a polygon mm. to go off of but your Absolutely. imagination your imagination runs wild because you think about like what certain things would look like if they were hyper realistic yep sometimes and i mean that's an old filmmaking thing too is like the best monsters are the ones you don't see or you can't really like fully comprehend yeah 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 like like something that makes no sense like the thing or like the blob like like you said hard to comprehend therefore it doubles the terrifying nature of it yep and that's that's straight from lovecraft i mean cosmic horror like that's that's like the whole thing with all the lovecraftian cosmic horror monsters are like if you really fully like behold it and try and comprehend it it actually is impossible and will actually you'll actually just like die or be enslaved yeah which i just think is so cool (laughs) it's funny that you that you say that too because uh it brings on a whole new level of it to where you think about where horror games got inspiration from because obviously it's hardly ever from other video games right well especially the earlier ones yeah, uh, absolutely. But I, I feel like horror a- horror might be the only genre that like games have have nailed better in recent years than movies. You know what I mean? I feel like just over the years, for the most part, with some rare exception, horror movies have just gotten worse and worse. But it seems like horror games just keep getting more and more immersive and scary because you know a lot of modern technology makes things very very sort of like tense pretty easily yeah yeah no question dude and and of course these games come out and they do go on to inspire later horror games absolutely yeah but so it is interesting to think that to this day we do still have original concepts coming from like things that exist like for example a lot of the um like when they take biblical elements yeah on on the on the hellish side like Mm because because you don't consider things like doom for example or like dante's inferno as a horror game but i feel like you almost could approach it with that mindset definitely because it, it's a horror. It, yeah, it, these games are like a horror to you. Like if you think about life in the broad spectrum, these situations are horror. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, a good we, point. We've gotten to a point where the horror games seem to focus more on immersion. Like now we're at a point where they want you to be like, they want you to feel in it completely. Yeah. Like they made, they're making Resident Evil mostly first person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they're trying to up the immersion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's that's part of what makes them successful, though, especially as the years go by and they get better and better about, like, understanding what is unsettling. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would be safe to say that when it comes to story, like you get the most depth out of horror games. Now, aside from RPGs, of course, but 
when it comes to like backstory, mystery, like all the things that really pull you into games in general, storytelling uh, just in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like horror has a way of really, really doing storytelling in a great way. And we've talked about little nightmares, but that game has to come up on this discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, it mostly makes me think about the lore side of things because you play a horror game and you th- and you you see what you see but you're not being told everything or hardly anything right you have so, to fill in the gaps to some degree exactly and i feel like uh one i've told you before i'll, I'll spare everybody on little nightmares tirades because i can go on them forever but one thing i have to say is that the fact that you don't hear an audible word in, <laughs> in, in any of the experience to me is genius. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It truly is. And, and I had mentioned that to my girl because she started playing the first Little Nightmares. And I was like, do you notice how you go through this whole game and there's not a single word? There's no dialogue at all. <laughs> and, you know, and she was like, yeah, that is actually very interesting. Yeah. And that when we talk about immersion, I don't think anything gets more immersive than that. So whereas you're normally getting cutscenes and storytelling, you don't have to look too deep into things. When you walk into a room on little nightmares or little nightmares too, and you see pictures on the wall or drawings, you're going to want to sit for a minute and really soak them in because you're mm-hmm. getting visual like content in the game. Yeah, and I feel that's like all that's, there is. that's really important dude, because if you recall, we're going to go back to Resident Evil and Silent Hill. There was so much silence in these games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is, uh, of course, it's integral to horror in general because of like jump scares and things of that nature. But this is a totally different side of that. Mm-hmm. It's not about a jump scare. It's really more about environment an environment and atmosphere. Yes. Yep. And what what better way to make an atmosphere than to have you solely focus on the elements of it? Yep. No dialogue needed. No dialogue needed, dude. It, it, it's a testament to it itself being immersive and being like just intriguing. I mean, that a, a lot of times the horror game thing is mostly because like we're interested because it intrigues us, bro. It's not normal shit. Definitely. And, um, you know, I, of course I'm going to put little nightmares at the top of the horror experience, even though interestingly enough, dude, uh, the developers don't particularly refer to it as a horror game. Mm, That makes sense. It's more of like a adventure adventure game, right? I guess it it is an adventure game, but to me, I, I find the horror tag to fit it. Yeah. No, I understand. It doesn't have to be just one or the other. Yeah, but then at the same time, to think that they don't consider it a horror game is very interesting. It is interesting. Because you get a horrific experience that wasn't maybe created with it being horrifying in mind. Yeah. I mean, when you play a lot of these horror games, you know, like uh, something like Outlast, for example. I mean, these, these games are meant to make you pissing your pants nonstop. Right. You know, like, uh, they take the immersion to like, uh, an anxiety level. 
Which I, you know, I'm not going to say little, little Nightmares doesn't do. <laughs> I think it's interesting when you talk about horror, how broad that category is. Because on the one end of the spectrum, you have something like Little Nightmares, which is... um. It's a storytelling game, right? Like it's it's not. That's the you're playing through the story, and that's the most interesting element. But then you have on the other end of the spectrum a game that I really enjoy that I have for PS4, Dying Light. It's also something you would consider a horror game, but it's actually just like a zombie apocalypse survival action also platformer (laughs) game and it like couldn't be more different but it's still squarely in the horror category and i think that's kind of an interesting testament to the versatility of the genre yeah and that's one i haven't gotten hands on with but i do recall uh whenever they announced it and showed the first footage of it it looked like uh anyone who's played another great game that could almost be considered horror but left for dead Yep, I was going to bring up Left 4 Dead. Uh, yeah, I, I I was too, and that's a great one. But uh, when I saw Dying Light the first time, I thought like, man, this is like uh, this is kind of like Left 4 Dead, but they multiplied the zombies by like fifteen. Yeah, and you're just on your own, <laughs> and you're on yeah, you're on your own. Uh, but I, I remember seeing the the volume of opposition being so overwhelming now that's what creates horror absolutely you go outside especially if you're outside at night in that game you need to get where you're going very quick because like especially at night it's extremely dangerous just to walk around uh and i think that's an interesting element in the day there's still zombies but they're a little more subdued they're a little slower but once you get to the nighttime there are much more and they also are more aggressive. So I think that that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think that plays on the real life feelings people have about the dark. Yeah, absolutely. Because it puts you in a situation where normally you only think the dark presents more danger in this situation. (laughs) You know, it does. Absolutely. And I think that's a big a big trend that we've seen in a lot of games like survival games in general, which, you know, survival horror is a franchise, but I have found a love for just survival without the horror. And those elements come through in that genre as well. And I think that it's, it's related, you know, games like long dark or don't starve or stranded deep, which is a game on PlayStation. Now that I've been playing, that's basically, it's basically the long dark, but just desert Island version, which is pretty fun. But those games, they're horrifying in their own way. You know what I mean? Like, it's so funny that you said that, like you always blow my mind on here because I, whenever you were talking about the darkness, I was going to bring up don't starve. Yep. Because that game, you know, I certainly wouldn't classify it as a horror game, but whenever nighttime hits, it certainly does shift to more of a horror game. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even things like Minecraft, same thing, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. Think, I think that's a big element of those games, is just the day-night shift. Dangerous versus mostly safe. Yeah, and um, 
I'll tell you what's a big accomplishment though is when, is whenever you can achieve that that horror vibe that we're talking about in the daylight. Absolutely, yeah. Because you don't need the, <laughs> the nighttime as a crutch, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, That's true. Th- there's like atmospheric elements you you can put in the game. Like for example, you played the Little Nightmares two demo. Mm-hmm. That 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 whole forest scene is daytime. Yeah. It's just the way they have like the trees blocking the light and everything. Mm-hmm. It gives you something different than darkness. Yep. It gives and that's you like pretty a, cool. Yeah, it gives you like a gloom. And I feel like that's something that like Silent Hill did also is kind of like more fog than darkness. The f- like yeah. it had a fogginess to it that and that makes you uneasy like the darkness because when you can't see through fog, I mean you're going to wonder what's 10 feet in front of you. Yeah. You can't see what's 10 feet in front of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, definitely. I, there's, uh, there's so many I, elements that tie into making a great horror game that you can almost make games based off of individual elements. And just they with, do. Yeah, just with one thing in mind, uh, you know, you could go into a game like... And when we talk about this, it makes me think of games I would have never considered horror games, but you could almost consider like Half-Life a horror game. I think it is. It's it's like a a horror shooter to some like th- degree. Think about Raven. Same with like Doom. Absolutely. And I mentioned Doom earlier. And of course, I specifically think about the newer Dooms because mm-hmm. obviously they're on a whole new level. But uh, the imagery is what really does it. Yeah. You know, uh, when you walk around in a hellish environment and you see crucified skeletons and shit, that's horror. What do you think about something like Quake that's a little bit on the same wavelength, but it's more aliens than... I, I don't know. It seems pretty similar to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to shit like Quake... uh you get that feeling anyway because you've got essentially foreign creatures in your face. I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you got that scenario in any type of environment like that, that isn't like, you know, maybe an RPG where you're fighting animals in nature, that sort of thing. I mean, when you're face to face with some alien creature with a weapon, suddenly you're, you know, the horror shit kicks in, especially because Quake also has that. It's alieny, but it's also kind of demonic. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, you had mentioned Left 4 Dead earlier. Yeah, man. Those those games are games that I have played a lot in the past and not recently. But I definitely I own both of them on Steam, and I definitely want to get back into them at some point. I've been meaning to go back and replay Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 for quite a while now. Yeah, and um, it's funny because I I had played the both games a lot, dude. Especially the first one back when mm-hmm. 360 was what we were playing. Like everybody yeah. was playing through. There was a point where everyone was playing 360, man. And everybody was playing Left 4 Dead. And everyone was playing Left 4 Dead. And uh, and obviously PC is the definitely the way to go as far as how to play it. Yeah, but. I think so. Uh, in in recent years, though, I I, I kind of went back and was like, you know, I want to play the first Left 4 Dead. 
And I found that to be like a morning thing. I, f- I feel like Left 4 Dead was such a great game to like, it's so random to bring up, but just to wake up, hop on and just play some Left 4 Dead, dude. Not even, <laughs> not even particularly with people, just sing, you know, single player campaign on a high difficulty. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's funny and, i never thought about that yeah uh i think it, it, when you know of course we got more content with the second one but whenever they came out with the first one i found the fact that you could get so much out of replaying these chapters you know yeah they're like found, individual uh, levels yeah it, it's a mood dude it's like you're like you know what i'm in the mood to play this and you just mm-hmm. pick that, like you know, what I mean, it, it, and that that's something with replayability on like horror games. Whenever you get to select scenarios, that's something you don't see often. But like, you know, I hate to keep going back to Little Nightmares, but like a chapter selection, it ties in the same way. If I if I feel like going back to the first game and specifically playing the chapter with the janitor, mm-hmm. I can just go chapter select and play that chapter. Yeah, that's that's really nice. I don't have to progress through a save file to get to it. So, uh, you know, shit like Left 4 Dead where you can actually pick the scenario, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I find that to be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I I really want to play some horror games now. <laughs> definitely, there's a lot of recent horror games that I haven't um, gotten as much hands on with as I've wanted to. I, I've heard a lot about like Amnesia uh, specifically. I haven't gotten to play oh, any of those yeah. games. Have you played those? I have not. Yeah, um, that that seems to be one that that popped off that series. But uh, that also looks like something like Outlast. I've played Outlast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if the the first person running and hiding type of like horror, when it comes to horror games, I don't know if that's to me the apex of it. Some people might consider that the, you know, like the. Mm, I know what you're horror. saying. But I kind of like. Uh, a horror game where you're kind of overwhelmed by something that you're at incredible odds with. Yeah. Sort of like a, a bigger scale foe than what you can just immediately see right in front of you. Yeah. Like nemesis, like something so big, so powerful, so beyond you that can pop up anywhere and Mm -hmm. just is literally living to destroy you. Yeah, dude. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i agree man i really i don't know what else to say other than i'm just really excited to play some horror games soon and yeah. uh that we're gonna talk more about it in the three shot but uh i think i have the fir- perfect one to get into before too long a little teaser there mm-hmm. dude i'm looking forward to that <laughs> yeah man uh, any but, other thoughts on horror? Uh, you know, when we came into this, I, I didn't specifically make a list of games, and I know you didn't either. No, but I didn't. I, I find more of a comment on the discussion topics than horror games. I find that not planning out these discussion topics, dude, we get on these trains of thought that we don't even get on in normal conversation. I know. I love it. 
we, we get forced into not forced, but we're in a situation where we're talking about a certain thing, and I start thinking about all kind of things I would have never thought of on my own. Oh, absolutely. So you know, when we st- like, I would have never even thought I would have brought up any type of uh, shooter like Doom because it's not spe- specifically horror, you know. Right. But uh, you know, I start thinking about shooters, and like I said, shit like Half Life. And you think about Raven Home and these things. I mean, dude, there's certain parts of games even that could be considered horror and games that oh, aren't particularly yeah. horror. Yeah, games love, like non-horror games love to throw in a horror section. Yeah, and uh, those definitely shouldn't go unmentioned. You know, uh, we talk about horror games as a whole, but I think we should shout out to just the horror element of even sequences in certain games, you know. Oh, yeah, dude. The first thing that comes to mind when you say that is pretty much every Metal Gear Solid game has some extremely creepy or disturbing like section. Mm-hmm. My boy Tyler is an MGS head. Oh, nonstop has to be done. That's like horror, horror game discussion. Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. That's the first thing. Yeah, no. But as far as games with segments, I mean, that's yeah. That, yeah. It's a perfect example because there's sections of that game that you know, out of con, like it, out of context, you would think it was just another horror game. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Definitely, bro. But uh, I think you got a lot in store with what you just picked up the horror game you're about to get into <laughs> yeah i'm pretty excited for that uh, and it doesn't take a lot of commitment so i think that's going to push you to finish it because you don't have to focus a lot of time you know yeah but well, that's uh, that's music to my ears these days <laughs> yeah but i think um we should dive into some more tragedy you know we've we've had <laughs> discussion on tragedy before it's true and this, you know, in this particular situation, it was our tragedies, but we're going to talk about the tragedies of some of our game characters we love. Yeah, I am very excited for this one, man. I really want to hear what's on your list. Yeah, I want to hear what's on yours, too, because uh, I don't know where you're going with it, you know, like because this is a very specific niche in the top five game. You know what I mean? I think for the first time, my top five has zero Nintendo characters. Okay, then we're definitely not going to have overlap, I don't think, man, because uh, I got a big brain Nintendo one that okay. I, almo- I almost expected you to come up with, but I think you're going to love it. If you I can't I, wait. I now know you don't have any Nintendo on yours. Yeah, I didn't realize it until this very moment, but yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Darn, I do have one Nintendo character, so maybe that's uh, the one. Oh, well, we can get shit. into it, man. Uh, do you want to start off with an honorable mention? Yeah, man, I'll start us off with an honorable mention. Um, I want to start off with uh, the player, you, from Stardew Valley. Ooh, okay. Now... I brought up on a previous top five we did, Gaming Underdogs, the grandpa. Yep. How you get the deed, right? Mm -hmm. But, and I mentioned that the opening sequence is marvelous to that game. Right. 
But when when you look at that opening sequence, uh, I didn't get into it, but this is a perfect time to. I mean, mm-hmm. you're basically shown an office setting, uh, something you're going to relate to so well. <laughs> and, you know, it pans over. Everybody's working at their desks. And then it pans to you. And it's just, uh, and it's funny, there's like a skeleton at its desk that's just, you know, everybody's working and there's a skeleton there just kind of showing that everybody's just working and dying there. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Like anybody in the world, you know. And uh, Of course. That is relatable. It pans over to you at your desk and, you know, you're crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, It's insinuating that you're trapped in such a monotonous cycle and you're just, you're depressed. Like it really, it's funny that such a lighthearted game starts on such a negative note, but of, of course it shoots up because of the, the deed, you know, but you're sitting at your desk, you're crying, you, you're pretty much at the end of your rope with the monotony of everything, mm-hmm. but you have that letter that your grandpa left you in your desk yeah, and you open it and it's like, this really moving letter about how like one day the monotony of everyday life is going to get to you. And when that day comes and you open this letter, there's a place waiting for you that I've like kept for you. Wow. And it's like really moving dude, but that's heavy, but it, it, I find it to be a tragic backstory though, because before you are this character, it's so funny that there's no name to the character because it's just you, whatever character you create is at its desk. Yeah. And, um, but it, you know, it's a tragic backstory because it's something we can all relate to, you know, life sometimes can feel monotonous. Yep. And this is one of those scenarios where, you know, we kind of get to re-experience that in the opening sequence of a game. So my honorable That's mention had pick. to be had to be the player from Stardew Valley, bro. Everything's looking up in the end, but we're talking backstory. So not everything starts off so nice. Yep. Well, what you got for an honorable mention, bro? My honorable mention is also a Nintendo character, like another Nintendo character. So I have two total on my on my uh top six you would say um and this is my honorable mention because there's things that in the actual canon of the game that are left a bit vague but i chose silver from pokemon gen 2 oh because this is not really something that's discussed in the games at all but we know through other sources that Silver is Giovanni's son, and he was basically abandoned by Giovanni at a very young age and left to fend for himself. And it shows because he's a complete, you know, prick. But I mean, it's so crazy because when you find out, you know, he, this is he is the way he is because he comes from bad stock and he was abandoned by his father and stuff. You can't help but feel for him. And I think that that's pretty interesting. Kept it as the honorable mention. Cause like I said, none of that is in the actual games themselves, but nonetheless, I think he's a very tragic character. That's obviously very near and dear to our hearts. I think it's a great pick. And I think the actual mystery of the backstory and just knowing tragedy lies within it makes it even more interesting than a normal pick. Yep. Uh, but I definitely didn't expect that, but I love it, bro. <laughs> Let's hear your number five. Uh, 
My number five is going to be the main character from Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Miriam. Okay. Um, reason being, uh, she's what's considered a shard binder. First of all, she was orphaned. I mean, that's the beginning to many tragic stories and characters that we've come across in gaming. Oh, most definitely. And yeah. movies and anything. I mean, it's it's that's a tragedy. That's classic tragedy. Yes. But on top of the the being an orphan, um, you know, you you see in the game that um she was kind of I mean, I'm, to get to the point, she was kind of a test experiment um from like a sorcerer who kind of like, you know, picked her up from being an orphan, but did not have the best intentions. So he's trying to connect to the, you know, to the hell side of everything. And he's kind of using her as a vessel. So she gets infused with this like cursed energy, Mm. which makes her become a shard binder. And so uh, they don't get too in depth on the experiments with the rituals and stuff, but I, that's what we were just talking about. How sometimes leaving it vague makes it more eerie. Definitely, you know, you know that she was being used in rituals uh, to try to open portals and whatnot, but you don't get to see exactly what type of experiments and shit. But just I got you. Uh, and also, she goes into you know a, a hundreds of years sleep. Mm. And then, uh, you know, wakes up with a lack of memory, which is another thing that we come across with a lot of tragic backstories. We find a lot of characters in games that uh, don't remember search- their past. Yeah, are searching for their memories. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a tragedy in itself. Te- being I- a test subject as well. Exactly. Yes, dude. I Absolutely. Um, so I find like Miriam's story encompasses a lot of tragedy all at once it's a lot to talk about but uh, i think i summed it up enough you know yeah man um, that's a good pick also a great game yeah uh you know bloodstained ritual of the night I, that's a game i dove on and did not stop till i completed it yeah and uh pretty pretty awesome actual horror vibe in that game kind of not too immersive with being like eerie or anything but just a mm-hmm. lot of dark demonic energy imagery you know yeah Yeah, man that makes sense made the list nice dude well my number five is a little bit more of a fun pick uh before we get into the really really dark stuff on my list uh sable from animal crossing you son of a bitch (laughs) okay did i snipe your big brain play yeah yeah (laughs) you did where was that on your list I mean, that was up there, dude. It wasn't number one, but it was fucking up there. Go on. All right, man. Well, we'll get into <laughs> it. We'll get into it. All right, man. But yeah, no, I had Able Sisters as a collective. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that, I mean, that we're on the same wavelength then. because they're Yeah, Sable is the one that we have the most sympathy for. So that's great that you pick Sable. Yeah, dude. I basically we find out through backstory in the multiple Animal Crossing games that the Able sisters, uh, Mabel and Sable, they have another sister called Label. Their parents died as a kid, and Sable basically was forced to like provide for and protect her sisters, and like Label 
distanced herself and like was kind of separate from them but still is supported by them and she's kind of like a burden and yeah it's honestly a crazy crazy story that you would never even know unless you actually go through the routine of digging into these deeper story elements in animal crossing and i think it's really really interesting yeah, this might be news to a lot of people because me and you are programmed to talk to Sable every time we get on. Absolutely. Uh, but some people might not know to do that. Yep. And uh, I think Wild World was the the original, the original, like, when you first started to find out about this. Yeah, and I, and I actually recall... It taking a little more, a little more effort to get Sable comfort, like comfortable with you on that game. Than a it lot did with, more, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I yeah, mean, I, yeah, that's the way I remember it. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely. It, 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 they mentioned that that um, label, you know, they get in an argument of some sort that makes her go away. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't touch on that. Yeah, but it kind of makes you wonder. In something like Animal Crossing, it's so lighthearted. What kind of argument could lead to such a, a dispersal? You know. Yeah, it really like, makes you think when you find out about you know, these characters on the surface. They're like, you know, just NPCs. But when they build in these backstories, it's always, always super interesting. And especially in something like Animal Crossing, where you're not really giving the NPCs backstory a second thought. Yeah, they, they create something with with the Able Sisters. It's like the most thought provoking thing in Animal Crossing. Definitely. And uh, it's also uh, tragic to know through dialogue with Sable that, like, Mabel, it was too young to really even, like, remember their parents well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which is also a tragedy in itself just for Mabel. Well, I'm sorry I stole your your thunder on that one, my friend. (laughs) Dude, anytime you have any overlap with me, all it does is beef up the pick. Absolutely. It gives us a twofer that, that I think makes a mini discussion topic. Yep. And, uh, you know, any day we're talking about the in-depth lore of Able Sisters, I'm living for it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's hear your next one. All right, bro. And also, listen, I wanted to mention at the beginning of this list, Mallow was one that I, th- I really wanted to put on, but I went into his tragic backstory in the underdog segment. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to like reiterate all of it. Mallow was definitely a hot contender, but I already went through that. Nice. Makes but sense. For my next slot, bro, um, I'm going to go with Primrose from Octopath Traveler. Ooh. Now, this is a game that I am currently playing through. I've not gotten to this yet. So tread lightly, but uh, I'm interested to hear about it. Well, how lightly would you like me to tread? <laughs> not too lightly. Not too lightly. I'm, I'm probably yeah, not it, far off of it. I'm, I am digging into the game pretty good. It, it is very, very quick into yeah, yeah. her initial, like when you get to her, you know, mm-hmm. introduction. And all before you actually set out with her and everything, you know, you get these, with all the characters, you get their, their beef of their backstory and where mm-hmm. they're at. Yeah. Uh, but with Primrose, I, I found it to be the most interesting of all the characters. Yeah. And because of the tragedy of it, you know, um, 
her parents are murdered. She, I mean, she used to, from what I remember, being royalty. Like her parents were a king and a queen. They were murdered. She was exiled. She goes from being basically royalty to being a gypsy. Mm. She finds refuge uh, in this fucked up bar, which they incent. This is a place Square Enix hasn't gone a whole lot. But they go pretty dark with Primrose, man. They, I mean, I'm talking about they insinuate sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I found that was very intriguing to me because you're playing something like Octopath with the, the 16-bit looking style, you know? And you would never imagine it go in such a dark place. The first but, thing that comes to my mind when you say that is the part in Final Fantasy VII right yep. after you get out of Midgar. Yep. I was thinking the same thing, dude, was Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, because that's another one of the rare scenarios where they, they get like that, you know? Yep. But, um, but no, man, it, it, you know, she, she finds refuge the only place she can, and unfortunately, it's a very fucked up place. And, uh, but of course, with all of these characters, for the most part, dude, they overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just I, I had to pick Primrose. I won't go too deep into it. I want you to enjoy it. But uh, very blown away to see them get so tragic with one of yeah. these eight characters. Because you got some like Therion who's just a douche thief. Yeah. And, and there, <laughs> there, there isn't really much, much more to it than a douche right. thief looking for some treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get the Primrose and you're like, holy shit, you know, like. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to put Primrose on the list, bro. Nice, dude. What you got for Um, us next? next Yeah, my next one's going to be Wander from Shadow of the Colossus. Hmm. Now, this game, on the surface, the story is a light touch. But it's one of those games, like Little Nightmares and like a lot of other games that we really enjoy, where... A lot is left up to interpretation. A lot of the story is told through symbolism. There's little to no dialogue in this game as well. And basically, the short version of it, this this is, by the way, we should have said this at the beginning, but spoiler warnings on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Shadow of the Colossus, which is a game from 2004, I can probably get into a little bit. But um, Yeah, you're safe, bro. Uh, basically, as you're defeating the Colossi, you're doing that to to try to resurrect the love of your life, who is basically in like an unbreakable coma. So every time you kill one of these Colossi, you you being Wander, who's the the character on my list, uh, you sort of die a little bit on the inside. And then by the end of the game, killing the last Colossus is what resurrects, you know, the love of your life, whose name is Mono. And that also completely kills the last of your humanity and you become a Colossus yourself. So Mono wakes up from this coma and you're nowhere to be found. Which is just honestly so it's I guess it's less of a backstory and more of the story of the game, but it's the even the backstory leading up to it is tragic and it's it's a heartbreaking way for it to play out, but it's so beautiful and poetic at the same time. It's an all around amazing pick. 
Um, it really is. And to think about the ending being terrible, you know, yep. uh, to, to something involving love, that's what really pulls on my heartstrings personally. <laughs> yep. Whenever it comes to these love stories, you know, like, uh, like fighting through hell and fighting these colossus just to save your, you know, the love of your life and for it to end that way, man, <laughs> that's a story of pure tragedy. It's brutal. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, so there man, you I go, think, man. That's all I have to say on that that's one. That's a great uh, pick. That's a brutal one. <laughs> uh, next on mine, dude, I kind of did a collective. But okay. since they're fused in the game, I think it makes sense. Okay. Uh, but that's going to be Pyra, Mithra, and Rex mm, from Xenoblade okay. Chronicles 2. I've talked about the game many times. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot to go through, but in summary... Uh, you've got <clears throat> Mithra, who in the past was the was the blade of somebody, which is like you know, like their companion. Just to mm-hmm. sum sum it up quick, yeah. And uh, you know, and there was something called the Aegis War, big a big great happening, where unfortunately she had to use her full power, which. It basically results in a bit of an apocalypse. I see. Uh, so, which is something she didn't want to do anyway. Her her driver. I won't. You know. I won't get too much into that. But uh, spoiler alert: Rex is a descendant of her original driver, like her okay. original companion. Mm-hmm. So the tragedy in the Pyramithra thing is that you know she gets put into a stasis. Uh, okay. And then is brought out of that stasis for malicious purpose. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the the evil side of this game is trying to use her as basically a, a weapon of war. Like a they want yeah. to unleash that power again, but she doesn't want to do that. Anyway, that's the tragedy behind Pyra and Mithra. Uh, but Rex, on the other hand, is led you know, unknowingly to a door to open to get to Pyra, who's also uh-huh. Mithra. It's a lot to explain. They're the same person. Um, Makes sense. But Rex is tricked. I mean, he, he thinks he's going on some expedition to make money, and that's what he does, you know. And he's led to a door that only he can open because he's a descendant. I see. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So... He's led to there. The door's open. They have access to Pyra, and then he gets a katana through the heart. Mm. And so that's the beginning of Rex is really uh, him being tricked into a job and then murdered. <laughs> that is pretty tragic. And then he only can live because Pyra fuses with him and like mm. com- like shares half of her life force to bring him back and for them to be fused. Cool. That sounds pretty awesome. I mean, there's a whole lot of, you know, it's a pretty um, powerful story with a lot of high points, you know, but at the beginning of it is pretty dark. Yeah. So I thought thought all three were worth mentioning because essentially they're fused into the same life force. I mean, if one dies, they're all dead. That's pretty cool. Which which is also a tragedy if you think about it. I mean, you know, to know that uh, 
you're you're not in just in harm's way, but people you care about will die with you, or yeah, will most f- definitely will feel the pain you feel, you know, <laughs> based off of your yeah. mistakes. So yeah, that was a, a dead ringer. Nice, dude. That's a good pick. But we're getting far along, bro. What you got? So this is number three on my list. Uh, I chose Widowmaker from Overwatch. Now, generally, when you think about a hero shooter like Overwatch, the the stories of the characters are not something that's really relevant in the gameplay of the actual game because it's primarily just you know a multiplayer combat shooter game. But Widowmaker, her backstory is that there's the Overwatch are like the good guys of the game, and Talon is the the bad or one of the bad factions of the game. So Talon, Widowmaker is basically like an elite sniper. Talon abducts her and brainwashes her and uh, starts, you know, turns her into an assassin. And her very first assignment is to kill her own husband, who is a member of Overwatch. And she does. And she feels nothing and she just continues on as an assassin for Talon and that's her story in the game and I just think that's so that's so messed up that that's like her whole characterization is this heartless sniper assassin and her very first mark in in her whole career was or her you know Talon career post brainwashing was her own husband (laughs) Widowmaker made herself a widow yeah exactly that's her whole thing that uh that goes right back to the love thing i said man you know even if she's remorseless uh that's sad from the outside looking in absolutely it's tragic you think about how terrifying it might be to come to and uh, oh my god yeah done something like that definitely i think that's that you want to talk about horror discussion that's the apex of horror right there definitely absolutely yeah excellent pick bro and it's funny because you like you said that's a totally unexpected one you wouldn't normally uh think to look into a game like overwatch where a character backstory is definitely not the focal point when you hop on right but the the stories of that game are actually really really deep the the lore in the actual game itself there's a lot of like a lot of shorts around the stories from the different characters that you can find on youtube and it's really really quite good uh, the story of the game. So yeah, yeah. I've really there's a lot of interesting o- characters. I've slept on Overwatch a big time, and I know before, you've told me before that we should get on, and I, you know I should get into it. Um, it's a fun game. Yeah, I, I definitely am interested in diving in at some point and seeing what's up. Yeah, man. But that's it for mine. Uh, let's hear your next one, bro. Well, my number two would have been Able Sisters. Okay. And of course, anytime I get aggressive with you about a overlap, you know, it's it's all fun and games, bro. I'm not yeah, mad of at course. you. I hope you <laughs> but Able Sisters had to come up, no question. And like I told you, I told you I would have been shocked if you hadn't picked it. Yeah. But if you didn't pick it, I feel like you would have freaked out that I did. No, I I I th- it was one of the first things I thought of when we discussed the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll go ahead and give you my number two then. So we yeah. can go into your number one after that. Absolutely. My number two 
Very similar to my number three, actually, is Kratos from God of War. Now, the end of the first game kind of gives us the the tragic backstory of Kratos. And it boils down to this. Kratos, in a, in a moment of desperation in a losing battle, he pleads to the God of War, Ares, to spare his life and make his army victorious. Ares does this, but after the battle, he tricks Kratos into murdering his own wife and child. And then after that, he basically cloaks Kratos in the ashes of his own wife and child. And that's why his skin is gray is because he is permanently scarred with the ashes of his wife and child that he was basically forced and tricked into murdering as like a monkey's paw type situation Mm -hmm. for making a deal with Ares. Yeah, and this is quite the obvious pick in my mind. It's funny because even though I wasn't going to put Kratos on my list because I I don't have an insane fandom or knowledge of the series, Kratos comes to mind almost first, though, because that that goes deeper than the love tragedy we talked about. That goes into the entire encompassing thought of love fatherhood yeah love between man and woman i mean everything bro like that is about as horrible as it gets on the top and then being tricked into murdering them and then being forced to wear their ashes for the rest of your days yeah (laughs) does it get any more tragic nope (laughs) i don't think so well maybe (laughs) maybe we'll see about these number ones yeah (laughs) Well, Let's hear it, man. What I, you I got? Guess, I guess I'm going to go ahead and do it, bro. If you know, you know. The gnome with the sausage from Little Nightmares. Okay. This is a big spoiler warning for the next 60 seconds or so. Just to any... I told everyone before... For the DLC, right? Primarily? For the DLC. For the DLC. This is, you know, this isn't main story spoilers, but... Basically, the summary of the Secrets of the Mall DLC, which you could call this the tragic backstory of the runaway kid, because okay. the spoiler is, unfortunately, the gnome with the sausage from the main game that Six decides to skip over the sausage and eat the gnome is the runaway kid. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and this had to be number one. Not only because of my enthusiastic nature for the uh, the lore and just the underlying elements of the game, mm-hmm. but this moment that already was but pretty unsettling, you know, because you go right. through the game and you see Six's hunger develop and it gets it gets gruesome. Mm-hmm. So the gnome is standing there so innocently like holding out a sausage like oh you're hungry like it sees that six is starving so it holds out a sausage but i mean she just skips over the sausage and just dives straight in and just devours the neck of this innocent gnome that was only trying to help (laughs) wow and you come to find out that very gnome was turned into a gnome by the lady and that Hmm. was the runaway kid i mean you 
you fight your way through, which the, the DLC is great. I mean, playing through it is, is incredible. So it doesn't, the, the end spoiler, you know, it, it doesn't take away from the experience as far as playing it. But uh, it's really tragic to think you have a character that you're rooting for, you're playing as. You want to see, like, these kids in this situation escape so badly. Mm-hmm. So to see it all end like that for this kid uh, is very tragic. Yeah, definitely. But I got to give props to Tarsier for they could have done so many things with the DLC of the game. So for them to take a single moment like the one I mentioned <laughs> yeah, and make a whole DLC that really just equates to that moment. It, 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 that just makes it all so much more thought provoking. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting. So, so much they can put so much depth to something that, it, not that it isn't very, very you know significant because it, it's a moment we realize you know something about six, right? Uh, that there's something serious going on with her, but it, you know, I had to. This had to be number one, plain and simple, man. The gnome with the yeah. sausage. That's a great pick. Uh, it's. It's probably the most tragic, and it's funny the the backstory element of it comes with the fighting and fighting and fighting to to get out and not. That's really you know like uh, you see the struggle that goes through the backstory of the gnome, mm-hmm. and unfortunately the beginning of the gnome is basically the end, the tragic beginning and the tragic end, bro. Yeah. But how about you give us the tragic end of the top five for you? My tragic end for me, there was also no question. Isaac from The Binding of Isaac. Uh, I feel like this is pretty well known, so I'll just go through it real quick. But basically, you play as Isaac. The game story is that your mom was spoken to she thinks i don't know she believes that she was spoken to by god and basically told that you are made of pure sin and that to like get the lord's blessing or whatever you she has to sacrifice you which is your like you're obviously her son so she basically goes into this rage and you dive underneath the floorboards into this whole dungeon and that's what the game is and the final boss of the game i believe is the mom so i think it's so like heartbreaking and brutal that you're this five-year-old kid who's just like miserable because your own mother wants to destroy you and absolutely just like murder you which i think that's like the purest form of like tragedy is just not feeling loved or accepted by your parents i mean that's a classic trope and just the fact that it's it's on this whole horrible spectrum just ratchets it up you know to 10 yeah, man, I haven't had uh, any hands-on with Binding of Isaac. I've heard so much about it. It's an amazingly cool game. Very yeah. simple concept. Very fun roguelike, you know, shooter game, side-scroller. Um, but just the story that surrounds it and why Isaac is just this sad child is is so, so brutal. 
Yeah, it, it it's interesting because it puts you into the game uh, in such a tragic mindset. Yep. Which which really appropriately fits the topic. I mean, uh, knowing the tragedy, a lot of times you find out tragic backstories ahead of time. But in this particular right. case, it's interesting that you would come out the gate knowing yeah. exactly what tragedy has befallen you, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I think that's a pretty well, that was quite a list. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like we got kind of moody, bro. Yeah, we're on a downer. I think that we should fire straight into the three shop and bring the mood back up with some some smoking hot deals. We definitely do, bro. Um, we have a first this time too. We both have our own individual three shops. Yep, and it always gets me hype whenever Tyler pitches in. I know. So let's uh, let's try and bust through them pretty quickly. Oh um, yeah, dude. Yeah, go for it, man. You can do your three, and then I'll do mine. Yep. So we've mentioned it before. My boy Tyler picked it up. Now, Little Nightmares Complete Edition used to be twenty nine ninety nine. Bandai Namco's having a sale seven forty nine. Unbelievable. I mean, I would have picked this up regardless of your insistence or not probably because that price is is pretty shocking it, it is shocking and and this is something i picked up uh full price i mean i, I do recall i might i think i paid 20 for the game and 10 for the dlc mm-hmm. so to see it for 749 is incredible uh i meant to do it last night as soon as we get done with this i'm putting that on my girl's switch yeah uh because she's recently she started a playthrough and got to the end of chapter two, but she's, you know, I was like, uh, unfortunately your save data might not be there, but, uh, that's going to keep going. And <clears throat> on that note, I love, I love watching someone play little nightmares that it's, yeah, just, it's almost as fun as playing it because getting people's, you know, like seeing my girl's like reaction to what's around every corner and everything yeah. and what's in the next room. It's awesome, dude. Like uh, if your girl expresses any interest in the game at all, I think you'll, you played through it you'll see exactly what I'm saying about how watching someone play it is like a whole fresh experience. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So just off the hype of little nightmares too, I kind of was hoping and assumed that they would do a sale on the first one in light of the second's release. And they certainly did that. Yep. Uh, another one that's come up before, but we've got to bring up dude is the Phoenix, Wright Ace attorney trilogy. Yeah. Me, uh, you and I are newborn Phoenix Wright fanatics. Yep. And I will take claim to that any day. I think Phoenix Wright is awesome, dude. And we mentioned uh, when we spoke not too long ago on the Capcom leaks, really hoping that that 3DS collection is truly happening. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Because that's something I'm going to jump on, no question. I mean, that that's I'm hype enough on Phoenix Wright to jump on that. But that is... Fourteen ninety nine from thirty bucks. That's a I great think deal. You and I can both agree. Five dollars a game for these gems. Uh, it, it, that's what three shops all about. Absolutely. And uh, a game we had a an enthusiastic conversation uh, for a little bit before the podcast about Okami. Yep, I love Okami so much. Mm-hmm. Down from nineteen ninety nine to nine ninety nine. I think you and I can both vouch that ten dollars for Okami, it's a waste of ten dollars not to get it. Yeah, no brainer, no brainer. Uh, I told you earlier, man. Uh, you know, we talk about games that we really wanted, 
for systems that we didn't have at the time. When I was a GameCube boy and I saw Okami everywhere for PS2, you don't know how bad, how <laughs> much of a burning desire I had yeah. to to have and play Okami, dude. Definitely. So if I hadn't already purchased it on Switch, uh, $9.99 would be a no-brainer. Yeah, most definitely. But that's my three, bro. Uh, what do you have for the people today? So... Ubisoft has put the Assassin's Creed games on sale that are on the Switch, which is Assassin's Three Assassin's Creed Three Remastered is on sale for fifteen ninety nine down from thirty nine ninety nine. The Rebel Collection, which is uh, Black Flag and Rogue, is nineteen ninety nine down from thirty nine ninety nine. Now. <clears throat> The Assassin's Creed games, I've not kept up with them. Uh, over the years, I played all of the first ones up through Assassin's Creed 3. Um, but I think that's an incredible deal because these are critically beloved games, especially Black Flag. Um, and to have them available for less than $20 for three, well, for both of them, and, you know, $19.99 for two different games together, I think that's a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I've only played early Assassin's Creed games, but knowing the scale of them, um, two things I'm hyped to hear. The prices on them, pretty good for the scale of game you get. Definitely. uh, And also, just the fact that we're talking about something like Assassin's Creed being on Switch at all. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty cool time to live in. I mean, Assassin's Creed is never something you were accustomed to seeing on a Nintendo system, per se. Definitely. So that's pretty hyped that you can even put that on a sale list for the Switch, you know? Yep. And then I got Hades. It's only on sale for one more day, but it's on sale from nineteen ninety nine to from for nineteen ninety nine from twenty four ninety nine. And the main reason I wanted to mention this is even at twenty four ninety nine, I think that's a good pickup. This game was nominated for and received awards like in the you know video game awards the last time around yep um it's it's a game that i've heard a lot of good things about so i'm probably going to pick it up while it's on sale um but i've not i've not personally gotten to play it yet but i do think it's noteworthy i haven't either yeah but i i am always up whenever they put out these indies uh and these uh partner showcases you know and I remember yep. when they first announced Hades and they first showed the the animated cinematics and like the game, I knew it was going to be good. Yep, definitely. Still haven't, still haven't played it, but just that first glimpse, I was pretty hyped seeing that. I mean, it was one of the highlights of the indie showcase that yep. it was on. And then sure enough, I mean, it, it did get the award. And uh, I think that's got to speak loudly for it. And it's a game I'm interested in picking up as well. Yeah, man. Uh, and then lastly, coming full circle, I had to throw this one on after I made my list. Uh, the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, oh. normally $39.99, on sale for $29.99. Um, this is like the ultimate version of all Binding of Isaac content wrapped into one game. So oh. 
Yeah, it's 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 basic afterbirth. Like there was Binding of Isaac, then Rebirth, then Afterbirth, and this is Afterbirth Plus. So I really think this is definitely if you're gonna purchase a Binding of Isaac game, this is the one to own, and uh, it's a great price, thirty dollars. This game is endlessly, endlessly replayable. So I would definitely recommend picking it up. I would probably do so if I didn't already own it on PC, but. Uh, yeah, definitely worth picking up for sure. Yeah, maybe the tragic backstory will uh, provide some incentive. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it's a it's a really really fun game. If you're into roguelikes, I mean, there's nothing better. It's it's top of the class. Sounds like a winner to me, bro. <sighs> well, I think it's gonna bring us to the end of the cast, my friend. Yep, I think episode twelve's in the books, bro, and I think it's been a pretty dim episode, so maybe uh maybe episode thirteen could be a bit more lighthearted. Yep, we'll have to bring it back, ironically, thirteen, make it make <laughs> oh. it a, a higher end sort of more enthusiastic cast. A whole new ball game, bro. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, if anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can reach us at starroadpodcast at gmail.com. And Sterling, that's going to do it for us. Yep. This has been episode 12 of the Star Road Podcast. We are signing out. Take it easy, everybody. Peace.